Well, I just want to welcome everybody who's watching. We are one church meeting in multiple locations, and so I want to greet those of you in Waterbury with Pastor Craig Mowry. I want to welcome those of you in New Milford with Pastor Brian Prue, and also in our Valley Campus meeting in Derby with Pastor Joshua Maltunis. All of you who have found us online, uh, greetings to you as well. My name's Brian. I'm one of the lead pastors. And again, it's just a privilege to share from God's Word. We're in a series right now that we're calling Red Letters. These are just the words of Jesus, and we're going through the Gospel of Luke. We are in a year that we've been calling Ignite Compassion, and we are praying a prayer right now. Lord, give us your eyes so that we can see people the way that you see them, so that we can see God moving among us, so that we can enter into what he is doing. You know, friends, as we kind of put this Ignite Compassion year together, we knew that it would be a challenging year for all of us, but it'd be a really exciting year. We knew that we would have to spend some time talking about what compassion is, how to engage into a compassionate life. But we also knew that there'd probably come this moment, this moment in our year where it was time to really activate. And I believe that that time has come right now. I believe that for many of us, this is going to be the moment over these next couple months where the Lord really calls our number, where he activates us, where he calls us into things that maybe we don't think we're prepared for, things that are bigger than us, things that we feel ill-equipped for, but if we're willing to say yes to, God's going to move mountains. And so I pray that today, for many of you, might be a day of activation, a day where you really step into something that the Lord is calling you to, that you would step into this compassionate life in a deeper, um, more powerful way. So today, we are going to be looking at Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 1 through 11. But before we get there, there's somewhere else that we need to start. We need to start in chapter 9. And in chapter 9, the last few verses, verses 57 to 62, we read a story about how Jesus is speaking to three different men. So this is where our sermon's going to start. It starts here in chapter 9. Jesus speaks to these three different men. Actually, the first one comes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, uh, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. What a beautiful statement. That's really what discipleship is. It's us coming before Jesus and saying, Jesus, no matter what, we're going to follow you wherever you go. The second person Jesus goes to and he says, hey, follow me. But this person says, listen, yeah, Jesus, I'll follow you, but first let me bury my father. That seems like a reasonable thing to do, a reasonable request. Jesus then hears from a third person. And Jesus is like, listen, follow me. But the third person says, listen, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, but, but let me first go and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus has this radical statement to these two who kind of said, yes, I'll follow you, but, but not yet. Let me first tie up these loose ends. And Jesus says, listen, those who put their hand to the plow they don't look back. Those who look back aren't fit for the kingdom of God. These seem like really harsh words, don't they? What's Jesus talking about here? See, what Jesus is doing in this statement is he's making a statement about commitment. Notice those words of those two men. They said, but first, but first let me do this. That word first is a statement of priority. Yeah, Jesus, yeah, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but first let me do these things. And although they sounded like really reasonable things, they were statements of priority. 
You see, Jesus is calling us to be committed to him, fully devoted to him, all in for him. But I would say so often we take the posture of these two men, we say, but first, Jesus. Yeah, 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 Jesus, we're going to follow you, but first, let me sort out these areas of my life. Yeah, 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 Jesus, we're going to follow you, but first, let me see how this relationship goes. Yeah, yeah, Jesus, we're going to follow you, but first, let me see how my career goes. Let me get this sorted out. Yeah, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but first, let me get all the, all the kind of failures in my life figured out. Yeah, Jesus, we, we're going to follow you, but first, and you can fill in the blank. What is your first? And what Jesus hears in these stories is he hears that these men have a higher priority than him. Other things fall in a higher priority than he does. You see, discipleship is about us saying, Jesus, you're the king of our life. Jesus, you're going to be first. And everything else falls underneath that. When you look at an org chart, it's Jesus on top and everything else. And so, yes, we can have careers. Yes, we can have families. Yes, uh, we can have different successes. We can have hobbies. We can have different passions in life, of course. But they all fall under the rulership of Jesus Christ. And so, yes, Jesus, we're going to follow you with all of our heart. That means my workplace my workplace, I, I work in order to bring the kingdom of God. My family life, I, I participate in my family. I love my family in order to bring the kingdom of God. It all falls under the rulership of Jesus. And so Jesus is saying here in chapter 9, listen, uh, I need you to give me your whole life. Then we step into our passage, chapter 10, verses 1 through 11, and the words start after this. And that's why I told you about those, first, those verses in chapter 9, because it's after this that Jesus does something really significant. And so after he talks about what it means to be committed to him, then he sends out 72 of his followers. And this is our story today, Jesus sending out 72 and what I want to say to you, friends, is that just like the 72, we're called to be sent out. And what Jesus does in these next verses, he really gives the theology of being sent. You see, if we're going to be a compassionate people, that means being sent out by Jesus to go and do the work of Jesus, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to bring compassion into the places that the Lord has placed us. And so he's sending us out and I want to tell you that we actually have the greatest mission of all time. The greatest mission on this planet. We have it. Our mission is to go out and share the good news of Jesus Christ. Our mission is to share the fact that God is with us. Our mission is to, to, to preach and to share the gospel message that we can be set free from our, our sins, that we can enjoy the presence of God. Our, our mission is to make disciples. Our, our mission is, is to tell people the good news of Jesus. It's the greatest mission on this planet. There's, there's nothing greater that you could be involved in. You see, some people sell cars, some people sell insurance. Some people sell homes. But what we get to be involved in each and every day is introducing people to the presence of God through his son, Jesus Christ. We have the privilege of introducing people to the power of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God. We have the privilege of introducing people to Jesus. It's the greatest mission. And why, why do we enter into this mission? 
Here's why. In 2 Corinthians, it tells us that, that we, we enter into this mission because we're compelled by the love of Jesus Christ. Why do we want to be a part of this mission? Well, because we've experienced the love of Jesus. And therefore, we want everybody else to experience the love of Jesus. We don't enter the mission of Jesus in order to prove people wrong or to condemn people or to make people feel guilty for their sin. No, we enter this mission because we've been touched by the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, and we want everybody else to know this same love. It's the greatest mission. Which leads me to really my main question for us today as we go through this message. And that question is, are you ready to be sent? Are you ready to be sent. You see, I believe the Lord's calling our number right now. He's wanting us to go out in a deeper level, a more impactful way with, with greater boldness and courage to go out and be the compassionate people of Jesus, to demonstrate the love of Jesus. I wonder, are you ready? There's this great story that took place just this past week, and it's the story of a guy named uh, Dave Ains. And Dave Ains is actually a Zamboni driver for the North Carolina Hurricanes. And this is an NHL team. And he's the Zamboni driver. But an interesting fact, actually, is that he has a, another uh, occupation or another role as well that nobody knew about until this past week. You see, Dave is also the emergency backup goalie to the backup goalie of the Hurricanes. Now, never in history of the Hurricanes has the emergency backup to the backup ever gotten into the game. But here's the thing. Just last week, in one of the games, both goalies got injured. And so they called upon Dave Ains, the Zamboni driver, to enter the game. And so Dave enters the game. Now, here's, here's the bad news. He lent in a couple goals. But here's the good news. In the end, they won 6-3. to three. Can you believe this? The Zamboni driver gets into the game. The news channels are just loving this story, talking about, wow, a Zamboni driver wins an NHL game. But the most astonishing thing to me is this, is I watch the footage, and, and I've played hockey before, so I, I can tell, you know, if, if this guy's played before. But, but what I saw in this was that Dave was ready to play. He's a pretty good goalie. He was ready to play. He was ready for when his number was called to step in, to be sent out on the ice. And it just got me thinking, listen, friends, the Lord, he, he's calling on us. Are we ready to be sent? Are we ready to go? And so I want to spend some time in our passage today talking about these instructions that Jesus gives. He gives us these instructions about what it means to be sent. And as I share these different lessons and go through this passage, I want you to reflect on these lessons and ask yourself, am I ready in this area? Am I ready in this, in this point here to be sent? And so let's, uh, let's open up. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up to Luke chapter 10. Uh, we're going to go through verses 1, really through verse 9. You can pull it up on, on your device too. And let me just share some, some lessons with us about being sent. The first is this. In verse 1, it says, The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs. The first lesson that we need to know about being sent is that we're, we're never to go alone. Don't go alone. 
You see, as we're sent out, don't go alone. Jesus, he was very emphatic. He was very clear about how these 72 were to go out. They were to go out in pairs, two by two. They were to support one another. They were to do it together. And friends, we should be sent in that same way, partnered up. We're to go out together, not as mavericks all by ourselves. Now, this might not mean you just going out physically with another person as you share Jesus with your neighbor. It could mean that. But it certainly means spiritually we're together. This is why we call the church to what we, we call a crew. That we have three to five people in our life, peers that are walking with us, that are praying for us that we can share with, that we can uh, even tell them, hey, listen, the Lord's sending me into this area. Would you pray with me? Would you come with me? Would you support me in it? You see, Jesus, he was very clear that we're not to go out alone. We're sent out together. In fact, we know Paul spoke a lot about this. We're the body of Christ. We benefit from one another because of the giftings that he's given us. And so we're to be the body of Christ as we're sent out. Jesus goes on, and in verse 2, he says, he says this, The harvest is great. Now, these are the red-letter words. Jesus is saying, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. The second lesson that I want to share with you about being sent is this, is that we need to be encouraged because there's a harvest out there that's waiting for us. This is really good news, friends. Is that actually there's been seeds that have been cast and planted. And we have the opportunity now to go out because there's a great harvest waiting. There are, there are people who have been touched by God. God has been moving ahead of us. And now we have the privilege of going out and, and partnering with the Lord and, and seeing this great harvest. That actually in your workplace, there's a harvest waiting. In your school, there's a harvest waiting. In your neighborhoods, there's a harvest waiting. In your, in your everyday life, there's a harvest waiting. In fact, the harvest is so big that Jesus says, the workers are too few. There's just not enough workers. There's not enough workers to, to bring in this, this great harvest. God has been moving. He's doing a great thing. The, the rocks even scream and cry out to the glory of God. He's put himself on display. He's revealing himself constantly to people. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. And Jesus gives us a directive here, and he says, pray for more workers. And as we pray for more workers, maybe you sit here listening to this message, and, and, and we've been praying for you to step out in faith and to be sent by Jesus to go and be a part of the great harvest. The passage goes on, and, and, and there's, a, there's a warning in here too. And, and really, the next lesson that I want to say is this. As, as we're sent out, we need to be aware. We need to be aware that the mission is not always easy. And catch what Jesus says. He, he says this. Now, go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among the wolves. Wow. After I just encouraged many of you to step out in faith, now Jesus is saying, listen, but, but you need to know, you need to be aware that I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. I can remember the first day that I put McKenna on the bus to go to middle school. And as the bus was pulling away, I thought to myself, there goes a lamb and she's going out among the wolves. I know, I know the dangers that are out there. This is what Jesus is saying. Listen, as you go out, don't be naive to the fact that you're entering a battle. Don't be naive to the fact that you're entering a war. 
And then this war and this battle is not against flesh and blood, but this battle is against the spiritual forces, uh, against the evil one at work in our world today. We can't be naive to that. That actually we, we, we go to battle as we step out in faith. Uh, I had a friend in college, he was one of my roommates, and his name was Jeff, and he was a football player on the football team, and he was a linebacker, a big guy. I remember one time he was at an away game. I didn't go to the game. I'm not sure why. Maybe it was far away. He came back after the game, and he came into our dorm room. And I looked at Jeff, and, and above his eye was a big cut. It looked like they had even put some stitches in. And, and you could tell one of his eyes was, was already becoming black and blue. It was shutting. And, and I looked up at him. It, it appeared like he went through a real beating in this game. And so I looked up and, and kind of you know, humorously said, hey, how'd the game go? And Jeff looked back at me, kind of looking through one eye, and, and, he, and he smirked, and he said, we won. <laughs> I love that. It didn't look like he won, but they won the game. Here, here's the good news, friends, is that when we walk with Jesus, we're walking into victory. But that doesn't mean that occasionally, while we're here on earth, we won't get punched in the face. That actually we're in a battle that there's a very real evil presence, the evil one, working among us, trying to stop us. And when we step out in faith, he, he considers us, he, he notices us, and he wants to put the work of Jesus Christ to an end. But that shouldn't stop us from really stepping out in, in boldness because we serve the one who is victorious. I love that we have been brought in to a great battle, that we're a part of something that's so significant, so important. And here's what I would challenge you to do in this point is as we're aware that we're in this battle is I would encourage you to read through Ephesians chapter six and that you would prepare for the battle, that you'd put on the armor of God, that you wouldn't go out naive into this world, naive into stepping out in faith, but you'd put on the armor of God ready to be protected, ready for the battle. The next lesson comes uh, later on in, uh, in verse, uh, verse 4. And, and the lesson here as we're sent out is that we're to, we're to trust the Lord. We're to trust the Lord. This is what Jesus says. He says, don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag, nor an extra pair of sandals. He's telling the, the 72 as they go out, listen, I want you to be in a posture of trust. Don't take all of these, these things. You're not going to need them. You can completely depend on me. Now, in this culture, as, as people would go out and knock on the doors of, of different homes, it was the custom to welcome people into your home. And so these 72 wouldn't be so shocked by this instruction of Jesus. They would have anticipated that many people would host them. But I think in, in our world today, uh, that might seem a little bit strange because if we went and knocked, up on, knocked on doors, we might not receive that same kind of hospitality. Jesus is, is setting them up for a posture of trust. Listen, go out. People are going to host you. You don't need to bring all these things. Trust me. I'm going to take care of your needs. I think as we're sent out, we need to remember that we can trust the Lord. So often I think we're, we're stopped from stepping out in faith because we don't think that we'll, well, we don't think that all of our needs will be met. And we step into this area of distrust. 
We might even think, well, I'm not going to step out in faith because I'm not going to have the words to say. And it stops us. Or maybe we say, hey, listen, I'm not going to step out in faith because, well, I just don't feel like I'm mature enough in my faith. And so we're stopped in our, in our tracks. Or I'm not going to step out in, in faith because I don't have the right gifts. I don't have the, the right skills for what God's calling me to. And so we're, we're stopped in our track. But the Lord's calling us to trust in the Lord. You see, the Lord's not looking for the very best. He's looking for the right people. Uh, I want to share a story with you from about the 1980 USA Olympic hockey team because it's the 40th anniversary and it's just, it's just the right thing to do right now. <laughs> I want to share a quick story. It's about the coach. His name was Herb Brooks. And, um, and Herb Brooks, he, he got to pick his team before the Olympics. And he picked his team well before anybody expected him to. And, and, and then all of a sudden, the, the, the assistant coach, his name was Craig Patrick, came to Herb and he said, hey, Herb, you're missing the best players. And then Herb responded by saying this, I'm not looking for the best players, Craig. I'm looking for the right ones. I love that line. He's looking for the right ones. I'm not looking for the best ones. I'm looking for the right ones. See, friends, Jesus, he's looking for the right ones. He's looking for those who will place their trust in him. You see, I think when the Lord looks upon us and, and, and we're willing to give him everything, we're willing to go in wholeheartedly, even if we're not the best, when he looks at that kind of posture, he says, this is a person I can work with. And so we can trust him. We can step out in faith. The next lesson that I want to share with you it continues on in verse 4, and it says this, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. An interesting phrase here from Jesus. I don't want you to stop and, and greet anyone on the road. It's kind of a shocking statement. What is Jesus trying to say here? I think what Jesus is trying to say here is, listen, I don't want you to get distracted from your purpose. You see, friends, I think actually the lesson to be learned here about being sent is this, is that for some of us, we need to pick up the pace. Too often, we're, we're distracted by things and we, we get off mission. I remember my first job was at a church called Prince of Peace Lutheran Church. It was a big church, about 10,000 people. It was a big staff. And I remember I had an office at one far end of the building, and most of the other offices were, were at an, another part of the building. And, and, and oftentimes I'd have to go from, from my office all the way to the other end. And in between, there were like hundreds of offices. And, and I would start, and I'd go, oh, I need to talk to Hant, who's all the way over here. I, I've got a question for him. And then I'd begin to walk, and I'd, I'd go into each of the offices. Oh, oh, there's Judy. I want to talk with her. Oh, hey, there's Paul. Let me talk to him about this. And I'd get all the way to Hans office and I'd stand in front of it and go, I have no idea why I'm here because I stopped along the way. I lost my purpose and my reason for being there. And here Jesus is saying, listen, this thing that I'm sending you to do, it's so pressing. It's so urgent that I don't want you to stop along the way and lose that purpose. And as I, as I think and reflect on this, I wonder if we, or if any of us, if I, have lost the urgency for this mission, the urgency to share Jesus. I wonder, do we wake up in the morning and think to ourselves, 
I got to build the kingdom of God. I've got to be a part of what the Lord is doing. I don't know how many more days we have on this earth. I've got to share the love of Christ. I have to act compassionately. You see, I think we've become too comfortable in our Western culture where we just think that, oh, we'll have another day. We'll have another week. We'll have another month. We'll get to it then. But friends, we don't know the hour of Jesus's return. There's urgency here. There's urgency, and we need to pick up the pace. Look for opportunities to be compassionate. Look for opportunities to show the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus goes on, and another lesson that we learn in his instructions about being sent here is that we're called to bring peace. I love it. He says, whenever you enter someone's home, first say, this is the first thing you're to say, may God's peace be on this house. See, as we are sent, what we're to carry is we're to carry peace. We're not to carry condemnation. We're not to carry anger. We're not to carry argumentation. We're to carry peace. Peace. You might remember um, several months ago, I I did a message on being peacemakers. And uh, I told you that there are three kinds of people in this world when it comes to peace. There are those who I would call peace breakers. There are peace fakers, and there are peace makers. And it's our choice on which one we want to be. You see, a peace breaker is a person who attacks, who attacks, who's, who's out to win. And they roll over people. They break peace. If wherever you go, you notice that peace is disrupted, there's probably a problem there. You might be a peace breaker. But then there are peace fakers. They don't attack, instead they avoid. The peace fakers, they think that they're bringing peace by just leaving the situation. But it doesn't bring peace at all. It's avoidance. But then there are peace makers. A peacemaker doesn't attack, doesn't avoid, but a peacemaker aligns. Aligns with the the will of God, with the heart of God for a situation, and brings peace into it. I wonder, which one are you? See, the Lord calls us when you enter into a home, when you enter into a situation, when you're sent somewhere, bring peace. This is our call. This is our obligation. This is our responsibility. This is what we're to do. And so as the sent ones, we are to bring peace. The next thing is this. In verse 8, Jesus goes on and he says, if you enter a town and it welcomes you, He says this, eat whatever is set before you. Now, what's the lesson here? The lesson here is that we're to always honor. This would actually have been a very shocking statement to those who are following Jesus. You're to eat whatever they put before you. If they welcome you, if they host you well, eat whatever they put in front of you. You have to remember that that most of these folks, they were following these dietary laws these laws that they, they believed were, were, were part of what God commanded them to do. And now Jesus is saying, listen, when you enter home, if you receive hospitality, you say, peace be in this house, and they're welcoming to you. If they put something in, in front of you, you eat it. Don't make this a problem. Honor them. Actually, by eating what they put in front of you, you're, you're honoring who they are. And so, friends, as we're sent, what our responsibility is, is we're to to honor those that we find ourselves in front of. This might be eating their food. This might be encouraging them and who God has created them to be, but we're to look for opportunities to honor. As you're sent, bring peace and honor 
those who are around you. The last lesson I'll share is this. This is what Jesus says in in verse 9. He says, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. The last lesson that I want to share with you is this, is that as we're sent, we're called to serve and to announce. These words here in the beginning, heal the sick. As you look at the words in the Greek, there's, it's actually broader than that. Of course, yes, we're to go and we're to pray for God's healing in people's lives, but, but the words are broader than that. It actually means look for opportunities to serve. Part of that serving is, is praying for healing. But, but maybe part of that serving is, is washing their feet or helping them in the home or, or looking for their basic needs, whatever needs they have, and, and meeting those needs. This is what it means to be sent, that we're sent out to meet the needs of others, to take the posture of a servant. You remember Jesus, he demonstrated this by washing his disciples' feet. That as we're sent, we're not looking for opportunities to argue. We're not looking for opportunities to condemn people. We're not looking for opportunities to guilt people and shame people. No, we're looking for opportunities to serve people. And it's out of this posture of serving that then we are to announce. And what are we to announce? We're to announce the kingdom of God is, is near you now. I wonder what has been the most exciting thing that you have gotten to announce. Maybe it was when you got engaged. You got to announce, we're engaged. Or maybe if you have children, it was that announcement that, that you're going to have a child. Maybe you received a promotion. You got to announce, I, I was promoted. Maybe you're taking the family to Disney World and you got to announce, we're going to Disney World. Maybe those are some of the most exciting things that you've gotten to announce. The most exciting thing that Jesus got to announce, and he announced it over and over and over again, is that the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is near. What is Jesus saying in this? He's saying the presence of God is among us. The rule and reign of God is among us. The kingdom of God is here. That long-awaited Messiah has come. And so as the 72 are sent out, they're sent out with this great message that the, that the presence of God was, was here. And it's come through this man named Jesus, who is the Messiah. He is the Lord. And with the kingdom of God comes the power of God, comes the mercy of God, comes the grace of God. And, and with the kingdom of God comes, comes everlasting life. And so he's saying, listen, go into these towns, honor people, bring peace, serve them, and then announce the presence of God is here. And friends, so I want to announce to you the presence of God is here through the King, Jesus Christ. And when we come into the kingdom of, of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, we make Jesus the King of our life, we inherit the power of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. We inherit eternal life when we make him the king. I want to end by just sharing a quick story, and then I want to give a challenge. This is really formulates a theology of being sent, these instructions from Jesus. But here, here's what I want to leave you with. You know, just a few months ago, it was a Saturday morning, and I woke up, and I was sitting in a, in a chair in my living room, and Reese, uh, one of my daughters, came up and sat in my lap, and, and she asked me this question. She said, what do you want to do today, Papa? I love that question. 
Because so often from our kids, it's, hey, I want to do this. We want to do this. We want to go here. But she sat down in my lap. She says, what do you want to do today, Papa? You see, I want to leave you with that question. You see, I wonder if for the next seven days, you, you might get up in your first 20, those first 20 minutes, the first best 20 minutes of your day. And you might come before your heavenly father and say, Father, what do you want to do today? Father, where do you want to send me today? You see, friends, I think maybe, maybe 72 of you want to make this commitment today. Maybe 700 of you want to make this commitment today. Where for the next seven days, you get up and you, and you say to the Lord, Lord, where do you want to go today? Where do you want to send me today? And I believe that if we do that, we take that seriously, it could be that activation moment for many of us. That activation moment where we hear from God, we, we step out in faith and, and we go where he wants to take us. We're sent where he wants to send us. And we get to see the power of God in and through our lives. And so I leave you with that challenge. Next seven days, you might even post on social media where the Lord is sending you and how you've seen God work. You might want to share those stories in your crew, but let's become activated. Let's activate compassion in and among us. I pray that this has been helpful, challenging, but transformational. I pray all of that in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.